to their feet and mighty men of world renown I may never get to meet but I have an invitation to hasten to his throne to lay my burdens at his feet and make my petitions known church him and his family 
And uh, at this time, I'd like for all of them to come up here and stand. Uh, and we're going to say a few things, and then we're going to have a word of prayer for them. And uh, Karen, come on, if you can get it. Come on, Caleb. Okay, Allie's in the nursery. <clears throat> Brother Mike has been here 10 years, and uh, I've learned a lot of things from Brother Mike, and uh, also a lot of former pastors that have been here at the church, and learned a lot of things. Brother Mike uh, has been a real inspiration to our church, and God has worked in wonderful ways through Brother Mike here. And, uh, like I said, I've learned a lot of things that... Uh, I can apply to my life, and a lot of things I don't really want to apply to my life. And uh, Brother Mike has a good sense of humor, so we're gonna we're gonna bring up a few things. Uh, I learned not to jump off the house onto a trampoline <clears throat> because of Brother Mike. I learned not to burn, turn backflips off of a diving board, and uh, by saying, "Watch this, kids! I know how to do this." And uh, also. Uh, I try to give Brother Mike a little advice, and, and sometimes he listens and sometimes he don't. I told him, do not get on the Superman ride at uh, Six Flags when your back's already out. And uh, so uh, a few things that he might can learn from me, but uh, also I learned a lot of things from Brother Mike, and I appreciate him and his family and the things that they've done uh, here at our church or how God has worked through them here at our church. And... Uh, but uh, we've had some really good years here, and I hope we have many, many more with Brother Mike and them. We love y'all. We appreciate y'all and all that y'all do. And uh, at that time, I'm going to have a word of prayer with them. If y'all would, just come on up. <clears throat> Lord, we just thank you so much for Brother Mike and their family and what they mean to our church, Lord. And Lord, we just thank you so much for uh, sending them this way, Lord. And Lord, we uh, thank you for the uh, how he represents our church out in the community and how people uh, know him and see him, Lord, and and uh, see the big heart that him and his family, all of them have, Lord, in our community. And, Lord, we just ask that you strengthen them and their families. And, Lord, just uh, uh, ask that you lift them up, Lord, in good times, and we praise them in, in, uh, in bad times, Lord. And, Lord, just uh, just help them, him and to be a a good leader, Lord, and Lord, just represents you in a mighty way. Lord, we just ask that uh, that uh, his family just uh, uh, grows in this community, Lord, and his kids, and, and Lord, that uh, he's a good example to them, Lord, and Lord, just a good example toward us. Lord, we ask that uh, you strengthen our church, and, and Lord, and uh, just... Help us all, Lord, to take things that Brother Mike teaches us and we apply them to our lives, Lord. Lord, we love them. We love you. We thank you for sending your son for us, Lord. And all these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you all. Thank you. I believe Miss Jordan Love is going to bring our special this morning.
time of the year march madness and uh <clears throat> i'm excited not only about march madness i love basketball the the town where i grew up huntington texas as born in lufkin texas two of my kids were born in lufkin texas just kind of ironic ended up in there near there whenever 
they were born. But our school didn't have a football program. And uh, me growing up, there, our, our love was basketball and baseball. And uh, so two awesome sports. Um, later on, they did add football and uh, took off from there. They had a lot of struggles, ups and downs and whatnot. But it is that time of the year. The very next slide tells you how I'm going to spin on this and how that it's madness to put off Jesus and it's madness to reject Jesus. Simple two points. And thinking about this, matter of fact, and a little bit later on what we'll get to and we'll see is uh, how that uh, this fellow said uh, he looked at Paul and Paul was trying to share Jesus with King Agrippa. And another fellow said, Man, Paul, you're mad. You're, you done lost it. You've gone crazy. Much learning has made you mad. In other words, you just, uh, I don't know what, what in the world, where'd you come up with all this? And so there's a lot of times people, uh, let me ask you this. Uh, I'm going to ask for your response. If you, if you love the Lord, say amen. amen. Okay. And I hope you do. But if you really love him, you'll tell somebody about him this week. It's kind of like, you know, we've had a lot of, lot of young babies born uh, here lately and some more that we're uh, expecting. And so uh, there's some more coming, more on the way. And I'm excited about that. There's more than one way for our church to grow. That's good. And get this, is that, uh, matter of fact, and, you know, we have a, a big screen TV in the nursery uh, last week we had a little youngin and running around here and they looked up on the screen. They said, that's one of ours. And, uh, and so, but it's a great problem to have a lot of young people and I'm excited about it. A lot of young kids and whatnot, but a lot of times, uh, we wonder, uh, if, uh, you know, if we're, we're, we have these little youngins and we'll, we used to grab our wallet and, and, you know, our pictures, but now we have these smartphones and we show these pictures of our youngins on these smartphones nowadays. And so we're all excited about them because they're new, they're brand new. Uh, they've just got here. I'm so proud. Or maybe they did something and you're really excited about it. But it should be the same way with Jesus. I should be excited about him. I should want to, you know, bring out my, whether it be my smartphone or a track or a Bible and say, hey, we don't have a whole lot of time, but here you go. I'm excited about Jesus. And I want to tell it. And that's what will bring revival. We're about to have revival that starts next Sunday uh, morning. So I hope and pray that you're praying for Micah Carter and you're looking forward to this. The scripture that we'll be reading is, and of course, if you have your bulletin, just follow along, follow along in your Bible, mark your Bible, uh, make it yours, is Acts chapter 24 and verse 25. And so I'm going to ask you to stand at this time for the reading of God's word. This powerful passage Paul was before this fella named Felix, and he was, uh, if you will, kind of like one of our uh, governors, uh, that we would say he was before this governor or a king, is uh, before an area. There were three that he appeared before, Felix here, then Festus, and then Agrippa. And he appeared before these guys because he was in the court system, he had been arrested the Jews said he's preaching this, about this fellow named Jesus and he's causing a, a, a revolt and an uproar. But anyway, just kind of running through. But it says here in this one verse, And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, 
Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. Father, I thank you for this great number. It's a good crowd, and I thank you for our guests. And I'm so excited about Ethan being baptized a little bit later. Father, bless him and his family. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Praying also for revival, praying also for uh, answered prayer, pray specifically for things. March Madness, uh, it's all about basketball, people going crazy for their favorite team. And I watched Arkansas's game yesterday. I was, man, I was pulling for them, pull hard. But, you know, in, in life, just like in basketball and other sports, there's ups and downs, there's wins, there's losses. In the same way with serving the Lord, there's ups and downs, there's wins and there's losses. The biggest win you can have is receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's what this sermon is all about, is what are you going to do with Jesus? Just two things. You can put him off this morning. You can even do that after you get saved. You can put him off. And even, you know, after you say, just say, I'm not going to listen. I'm not going to obey. I'm going to put him off. I, I, you know, and if some of you may be, would any of you be w- so willing to admit that you're a procrastinator this morning? We have any procrastinators in the house? Would you lift your hand? Yeah. I'm one of them. I'm a per- natural born procrastinator. I'll get to that later. <laughs> you know, why do that now? I mean, why do now what you can put off till tomorrow? <laughs> you know, so that's just a, a common theme with a procrastinator. And I, but a lot of people will do this with Jesus. And it's, but it's crazy. I mean, you're messing with eternity. You're talking about something that will affect the rest of your life to put off Jesus. In this one verse this morning, what we see is that what what was going on behind the scenes, all in this one verse, take a look at it. Just kind of keep it there in front of you. And uh, he talks about, he reasoned. Now what happened was he reasoned of three things, righteousness, temperance, and judgment. While he was thinking about these three things, the Bible says he became, it says in our King James Version, it says in other versions, synonyms, but he's scared, trembling. It means he was afraid. It's not, there's no uh, hidden meaning back there. It just means he, he, it doesn't mean that he was cold. It means he was afraid. He was trembling. He was scared. I remember whenever I first heard the gospel story. I trembled. I was under conviction. I thought if I was more good than bad, I would, I was going to heaven. Cause I mean, what's the old saying? Well, I've not done this or I've not done that horrible sin or I've not done that. And so I'm, I'm gotta go to heaven. I'm, and so I'm headed to heaven because I'm a good person. But the Bible says that just one sin will send you to hell. In matter of fact, it says that if you've committed just one sin, you're guilty of all. And we've all broken. Matter of fact, all of us have broken all ten of the Ten Commandments. You say, well, I've not murdered anybody. If you've ever said anything in anger about anybody, if you've ever trashed anybody with your words that come out of your mouth, the Bible says you're just as guilty before God as somebody who's taken somebody's life. So if you run somebody down, it's thou fool, that fool. And a lot of times we'll use a lot more expletives than that. 
in describing our feelings about someone. And the Bible says you've murdered them verbally and the reputation. And so the Bible says, well, I've never committed adultery. The Bible says that if you've even looked upon a woman with lust, you've committed adultery already. And 99.9, I'm sure probably 100% of the men in this room have committed adultery in their mind and their heart, including this old boy. Okay, I'm just as guilty as you are. And all the sins, I've said things that I shouldn't have said. I've done things that I shouldn't have done. Why? I'm a sinner. That's why I'm gloriously saved. I'm thankful to the Lord for His grace. His grace is above measure as the songs that have been sung have so vividly portrayed. I don't deserve heaven and I deserve hell. But by His grace, I'm saved this morning. And that's what Paul was sharing about whenever he was talking about this and just thinking about righteousness. I shared this with our Wednesday night class the other day. This powerful verse in Isaiah 64. And uh, and just looking at Isaiah 64, verse 6, it says this, But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness. That means every good thing you've ever done in your life. You think, well, bro, Brother Michael, I've, I give money. Brother Michael, I've helped people. Brother Michael, I'm a nice person. What does it say? are as filthy rags. Whoa! And do fade as a leaf, which means temporary. It just means you, you say, well, I built this. It's going gonna, it's gonna to fade. It's going to go away. Our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. So he was thinking about his righteousness and what happened as this, this long sermon that Paul was preaching about and he's thinking about his righteousness is no good. And then he's also thinking about the temperance and, and, and it, temperance means this. Temperance means self-control. And so, and, and I thought about that as I'm thinking, why, why get this, get this. In, back in that, uh, Acts, uh, 24, 25, in that verse, in our, in our starting verse, it says he's reason of righteousness and temperance. And if you have a New King James Bible or something, it'll say self-control. Why is Felix thinking about temperance or self-control? Why is he thinking about it? Because when you got saved, you had to relinquish control. You had to surrender. And folks, there's nobody in here. Now, I've met some unsurrendered Christians, and they're the most mean, most ungodly, most hateful people in the world. If they say, because they're unsurrendered, they've got control. They live like they're, they want to live. Folks, we've got, folks, if you want to be a Christian, you've got to what? Surrender. You can't live for the Lord and hang on. Said, what does it say? Looking back. Grabbing the plow, looking back, looking back. You've got to surrender. And what is he thinking about? He's thinking about three things here. Righteousness, he has none. Temperance means I've got to let what go? Control go. And that's one another reason we need revival in our churches and in our hearts is because we hang on to control. We won't surrender. And people, folks, you bow and talked about, I'll bow before a king in that song we sang earlier. One day I'm going to live eternally because why? His grace. So he's thinking about 
righteousness. He has none. He's thinking about self-control. He, I got to give it away. I got to do. I got to surrender. That's kind of like the S word. <laughs> Lots of S words. And the S word in our house is, you know, like stupid. We're not supposed to say that. You know, that's the S word. Well, surrender. I can't surrender. And he's also thinking about judgment. Judgment is coming, which means this, we're all guilty. The Bible says in John chapter 3, verse 18, that we are condemned already. Why? Because we have not believed. How does a person go to hell? Somebody says, well, you've got to be bad, and, and if you've, you've sinned and lied, you just have to do one thing to go to hell. One thing. Don't accept Jesus as your Savior. That's it. One thing. Don't. That's your default destination. I love this promise, though. In Romans 8, 1, this is a powerful verse. It says here, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit he trembled in our text he trembled he's afraid and so he trembled of this well it's madness to put off Jesus is also madness to reject Jesus if you have your bible in the book of acts just fl- it's in, in <clears throat> Chapter 26, so we're going to from chapter 24 to 26. It's madness to reject Jesus. Is And what we find here is Agrippa. He's before Agrippa. And this uh, King Agrippa, he was up at uh, uh, Caesarea Philippi is where Agrippa was. He is the great-grandson of Herod the Great, the one who uh, uh, killed all the babies, the great-grandson of the one who killed all the great babies. He's also the son of the one who beheaded James. So this is Agrippa, actually Agrippa II. Paul is brought before this. And then in verses 12 through 19, Paul gives his testimony. This is pretty cool. So let's take a look at this real quick. He says, okay, king, let me, let me tell you my story. Uh, whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest, at midday, O king, I saw on that road a way, a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun, shining round about me and on them which journeyed with me. And when we were fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me, saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks, which means resist. And he says, and I said, who art thou? And Jesus said, uh, well, I'm the one whom you're persecuting. Well, he said, but rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose. This is powerful. To make thee a minister, and that just means a servant, and to witness both of these things which thou hast seen, And those things in which I appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles on whom now I send, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, 
that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified. How do you get saved? By faith that is in me. Verse 19, and this is what I want you... There's somebody here, there's somebody here that this will happen to this morning or it won't, which means you're going to decide what to do with Jesus. Paul said, I was not disobedient. The Lord doesn't, because they didn't, Paul didn't have the Bible. He just had the Old Testament whenever he was around. He didn't have the New Testament. But anyway, and so he, matter of fact, he helped write the majority of the New Testament, which is pretty cool. But this just tells me a couple of things. God doesn't have to appear to us because it was a special calling. Paul was an apostle out of due season. But he doesn't appear to us in a vision. He appears to us through conviction, uh, through other people, through the Word of God. It's always through some form of the Word of God that Jesus appears now. But nevertheless, nevertheless, God is working in your heart this morning. What are you going to do with Jesus? Are you going to put him off? Are you going to reject him? It's not about trying to impress me, your your husband, your wife, your kids. You come down, what are you going to do with Jesus? As you continue the story, he's, he's, he's telling his what happened to him. And so, matter of fact, as I was uh, uh, talking a couple of weeks ago with Ethan, we were talking about sin and what it takes to be saved. And he was sitting back there on the back pew and uh, after church. And I went through the Romans road with Ethan. And just real briefly, I told Ethan my story. Never been in church. Heard about sin. My Sunday school teacher said that if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're going to spend eternity in hell. It didn't take long for that to register. I said, I've never done that. And I shared with him my story, how that in my home, my mom led me to the Lord. I bowed beside my bed. My mom said about a 15-second prayer, and then I said my own. Cliff and I listened a couple of weeks ago as Ethan prayed his own prayer all by himself and asked Jesus to save him. What will you do with Jesus Verse 24 and 25. Somebody was, what is Paul doing? He's telling his story. And it says, as he spake, Festus said with a loud voice, Thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. And he said, I'm not mad, but I speak forth the truth in righteousness. Then Verse 27 and 28, you have two things. You have, the, I call it the great question, great chasm. Verse 27 and 28. King Agrippa said this, a great question. Actually, uh, Paul's saying it to King Agrippa. He said, do you believe? I know you believe, which means this. Uh, 
believing in Jesus doesn't save you. You say, well, that, well, no, it means this. It means, do you believe and accept? Because another place in the Bible it says even the devils believe. But trusting, accepting, asking him to be your savior. That's, that's the next step. I, he said, and that's why Paul is saying, I know you believe. I know you know that. You know the facts. This thing wasn't done in a corner. This is not a made-up story. You know. You're right up here. You've heard all the stories and everybody's testimonies. The very next verse is the famous, I call it the chasm, which means that verse, verse 28, means it means this. Agrippa walked up to Calvary and he walked away. Did you hear me? Agrippa walked up to... He's, basically, Paul painted a picture of a Savior on a cross who died for him. And what did he say? Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. He walked up to Calvary and he walked away. It's up to you this morning. What will you do with Jesus? Will you put him off? Will you reject him? The choice is yours. I was asked a very serious question. I had to teach a junior class. And... uh I don't know if y'all know this, but Rhett Wallace is a very, very intelligent young man. And he asked a very cool question. Very cool. He said, Brother Michael, oh, this only happened six times this morning. He said, Brother Michael, I have a question for you. Why did God put that tree in the garden? And I said, Rhett, that's a great question. God could have just made a world where you don't have a choice. He could have made a world without sin, but in no possible way to sin. But there would have been no love there. Because love is a choice. In order to choose God, you must have the freedom to reject and that's why he had to put the tree there that's why he allowed Satan to fall he, yeah he knew it yeah but he had to because why I said you know you could take your child and put them in a in a, a, a padded room sometimes we won't do that and we'll just feed you under the door so why so nothing bad will ever happen you'll never fall you'll never make a mistake You'll never mess up. I'll just put you in that padded room. God wasn't like that. He made a world where you could choose Him or reject Him. And that's called love. Your children have the freedom to choose to love you or reject you. Now you raise them and you do your very best, but you're not a perfect parent and we don't have perfect kids. Amen? 
But guess what? God made a world. God made a world. Just summing it all up in 30 seconds. God made a world where you could choose. And then now, this morning right now, it's your choice. This is the world that we live in. It's a fallen world. But a world where we can choose Jesus or reject Him. As we prepare for Him invitation, let's pray. Father, as every head is bowed, every eye is closed, dear Lord, that this is all about You. It's what people need to do with You. I pray that we would just take this opportunity this morning to realize and to think how and what is our relationship with Jesus. Do we have a relationship with Jesus this morning? And Father, that you would help us to surrender. Whether we're saved or lost this morning, we would surrender all to you. In Jesus' name, amen.